Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. say did you know that whether you get the answer to your prayer or not it actually largely depends upon you how can I say that because God cannot fail we know that in 1st John 4 8 it says that God is love and in 1st Corinthians 13 8 it says that love never fails so it is impossible for God to fail and God doesn't change. In other words, he doesn't change his mind. If he has said it, he will also do it. It says in Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord, I change not. So if he has said it, and in Psalm 89, he says he will not alter or change his word, right? And in Hebrews 6.18, it says that he cannot lie. And in Titus 1.2, it says God who cannot lie. So if God cannot fail, <coughs> does not change, cannot lie, if he has said it, if we don't get what he promised, the possibility of failure is with us. It's not with God, right? Do you agree? Yes. yes. So if anyone has to change, or if anyone might have failed, or if anyone may not have held to the truth, it would be on our part. Amen? So today, I would like to share 10 points. Like, for example, we know, just to finish this, in grace, no, I'm sorry, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says that, for by grace through faith. We know that grace is God's part. Grace is a free gift provided by God. But now faith is our part. So like, if I give this microphone <coughs> to Eleanor, that is now grace, it is a gift, right? But now if you want to give it to me. I now have to have the faith. Faith is the hand that reaches out and receives. That is our part. We can produce the thing, but we can receive it, right? So this is where we sometimes fall short. We don't know how to reach out and receive. But now it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. So in other words, we can easily say, oh yeah, I've got the faith, I believe, but now maybe we shouldn't be so quick to say it. We are instructed that we should examine ourselves. That means look a little bit deeper. Do I truly, because you know where does faith come from? 
believes with the heart. Not just a mental consent in the mind, but a deep heartfelt belief. Something that no one can persuade you otherwise. So how strong is our faith? Now, I today I have 10 points that I would like to share about how we can examine ourselves, how we can see where our faith is actually at, all right? <clears throat> so now, first of all, number one, if you're taking notes, you can write number one, recognize the source of all opposition as being Satan. So in other words, if God promises me something, if for some reason something is preventing me, it is not God holding back. It is the enemy seeking to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So we have to recognize that God is for us, not against us. And unless we settle that in our hearts, we are going to be forever wondering, is God trying to do something or is the devil? And if we don't know, we are going to be double-minded. We are going to be swayed because what are we to believe? Is it God or is it the devil? But if we are like that, forget about praying. We are not going to receive anything. It says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. That is in James 1, 6 and 7. So, first of all, we've got to know that God is for us, not against us. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Who is the God of this world, if I may ask? Satan. Satan is the God of this world. In Luke 4, 6, when Jesus was driven out into the wilderness to be tempted, Satan said unto him, All this power will I give you, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. When Adam sinned, he gave that power to Satan. He gave up. He was supposed to be the God of this world, but because he gave it to Satan through his sin and disobedience, it belongs to Satan. And when he said that, Jesus never disputed it. He never said, no, you're wrong. Jesus did not correct, or, in, or yeah, he did not correct Satan when he said, Satan is the God of this world. And where are we living? In this world. So, so if there is some opposition, is that a strange thing? No, we are in this world. And whatever we pray, whatever we seek of God, the answer has to come in this world. Amen? So now, I would just like to say, in Luke 17, 21, it says, Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Where is the kingdom of God? Within you. Within you. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, 
He comes and lives in our hearts and establishes his kingdom in us. So now we are called to pray that God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. How do we bring God's kingdom on earth? That's what we do when we go out and witness and lead people to Jesus Christ. And do you think, well, so what happens? They will say, yes, they receive. God comes in, establishes his kingdom in the hearts of men. Do you think Satan is happy about that? No. He's losing ground. He's losing territory. With every soul that receives the Lord, he loses ground. So do you think it's a strange thing if he should fight your faith? Remember, it's all by grace, through faith. That faith lays hold of the kingdom of God, the promises of God. So do you think it's strange if Satan fights your faith? No. No, it should not. We should not wonder as if some, some strange thing happened unto us. We can expect that, right? Because actually, you are more powerful than the enemy. He is afraid of you. But he tries to deceive you so you will fear him. We should not fear him. Amen? Amen. Now, I would like to talk about, you remember the story in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 13? It is about the 12 spies that Moses sent to spy out the land, right? And do you remember the story, what happened? Ten of them came back, and they brought what is called an evil report. And they said, so let's talk about, in verse 32, that is now Numbers 13, 32. And now we are talking about the ten. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. So, and they said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. But did you know that I just Googled, go in, take the land, I will give it. More than 30 times, God told them, go and possess the land, I'll give it to you. I will give it. So, now what kind of a report was it? It said it was an evil report. But what was it about the report they brought back? It was full of fear and doubt. They doubted. They feared. They did not believe what God had said. What did they believe? They believed what their senses told them, what they saw, what they heard. They believed their senses above the word of God. And God said that that fear, that doubt was evil. Now we know that sin is evil. So in other words, for them to fear and doubt like that is sin. It was sin, right? And what happened? Those that said they couldn't, couldn't. They died off in the wilderness. But there were two men, Caleb and Joshua. They said, we can, let's go up at once. What happened to Caleb and Joshua? Did they possess the land? Yes, indeed they did. They entered in. They were the only two of the older generation, 20 years and over, that went in and possessed the land. So what happened? 
it was done unto them according to what they said. Now today, I would like to point out the importance of what we say. Do you know that what our confessions, the confessions we make in faith, and when I say in faith, not a mental I, I believe, but I mean really from the heart. We truly are convinced, we are fully persuaded. The confessions we make in that type of faith establish our realities. We are where we are today because of our faith, because of what we have believed or not believed, has brought us to the point where we are today. So a lot is really up to us. So it's really, really, really important that we learn how to examine ourselves because now what happened to those, uh, God has said, I'm going to give it. I, I am going to give you, I, I have over 30 references where God said, I'm going to give you the land, just go get it. Now, we know that everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of what we experience today, right? Now, does God have promises for us? Does he have promises for us? Are there promises in the word of God for us? Yes. I thank you. Yes. Yes, there's promises for us. And he said it's yours. That's so, but, but do we have to fight for it? Do we have, do we have enemies? We do. Not flesh and blood, but we have spiritual enemies. And there are strongholds that need to be cast down. We have enemies of fear and doubt. But we'll get to that. Uh, let me not get ahead of myself. So now, in Matthew eleven twelve, Matthew eleven twelve, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. I'd like to explain that. Now, that phrase, suffered violence, in Luke, 1616, that is translated, press it into. So in Luke 1616, 16, it says, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man press it into it. So now the idea that Jesus was communicating was that before the time of John the Baptist, the only way that people could approach God was through the old law and the sacrifices and, and all of that had become very cold and cumbersome. And so the people of the heart had grown cold. They were not seeking God. But when John the Baptist came, he preached the, the word in power and people were flocking to him to get baptized. Thousands of people were getting baptized. And that was in spite of laws, in spite of traditions. They were pressing in to receive what John the Baptist was preaching, right? Now, we also, we have some pressing in to do. We have to be violent. We are in spiritual warfare. We are not violent against each other but we are violent against the darkness of, in spiritual powers in high places. If we don't want to stir up and fight, we will lose for sure. 
like the 12, sorry, the 10 spies, they didn't want to fight. They lost. They died out in the wilderness. They never got what God had for them. I'm not saying, like, people will not lose their salvation. If we don't inherit the promises of God in this life, it's not that we'll lose our salvation. We won't. But we will lose out on the goodness that God had for us. The winning, the being. Do you want to be a winner? Amen. Amen. Triumphant? Amen. Amen. Victorious? Amen. Amen. But do you know what? It's largely up to you. It's up to you. God has prepared everything. He said, it's yours. Go get it. Are we going to go get it? Amen. Amen. Let's go get it. Amen. Amen. So we need to be violently resolved to lay hold on the promises of God. Amen. Amen. Now, number two. Now we are at the second point. Remember, I was going to give you ten points. So number two is... Be sure the promises of God are the scriptures and that they cover the things, all the things that you have asked for or are believing for. What did I just say? Be sure the promises of God are the scriptures. Sometimes we get an idea in our head. Oh, I really want so and so and that and that. But if God never promised it, and if it's not in the word, then actually we cannot have faith beyond the word of God. If God did not promise, for example now, if I never said I'm going to give you a thousand rand, you cannot come to me and say give me a thousand rand. I mean you can try, but I don't have to give it to you because I never promised it, right? But now, so make sure that God actually said what it is so now, you understand that for us to have faith, we have to know the Word. If we don't know the Word, we can't have faith, because faith is based on the Word. Amen? Amen. So number two was, be sure the promises of God are the Scriptures, and that they cover the thing or things that you have asked for. Now, Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. we got to base our faith on where? The word of God. Where do we base our faith? Let's all say that. Where do we base our faith? Not some wishful, hopeful thinking, but the word of God. Amen? Amen. Now Galatians 3, 5 says, He, sorry, he therefore that ministereth uh, to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? What do you think? By the hearing of faith. Do you know that it is so important for us to hear from God? It's so important when you get that small little check. It's so important you learn to heed that. God doesn't always speak in an audible voice out loud. In fact, very seldom. But he leads you by his spirit. He will give you a peace in your heart. Or if there's no peace, then don't do it. Or he will just check you to do or not to do something. And we need to pray to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And if 
You know, for example, when Jesus healed, did he always do it the same way? No. He was led by the Spirit. And it was not always, it wasn't a set formula. One, two, three, we learn one, two, three. No. You have to be Spirit-led. You have to be in tune with the Lord. You have to be cooperating with God. Amen? So Hebrews, uh, yeah. Okay, I already covered this. Matthew 4, 24, 35 says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. And earlier I said how in Psalm 89, 34, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. And in Hebrews 6, 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. So all that to say, before you pray, don't just rush into praying. Prepare your heart. Find the word to stand on. Have a firm foundation. Know what God said in his word. Know that he promised it to you. So we need to know the word. And God said, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that does not need to be ashamed. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now we know from John 10.10 10, that the devil seeks to steal, kill, and to destroy, right? But he doesn't come to you in a black cloak and with a pitchfork. How does he come? It says that he shoots fiery darts, right? He shoots fiery darts. This is what we spoke about before, the doubt, the fear. And there's another thing that's a big thing, and that is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness also hinders our faith. But we'll talk about that. But in Ephesians 6, 16, it said, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And faith comes by knowing the word. You know, I know this is not of God. I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to let it. I take a stand against it. Have you ever been stirred up and angry at some wrong? You will not move. You take your heels down and you stand your ground because you know the right is on your side. Amen? A soldier. What do you think soldiers are? Pushovers? This is from the armor of God. We are to be soldiers. Soldiers are not surprised when there's opposition. They expected it. What is our attitude? Do we expect everything to be given on the silver platter? Or are we prepared to fight? Fight the good fight of faith. They hold on eternal life. Amen? Yes. We have to be prepared to fight. And then in Ephesians 6, 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation, but this is the part, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. Now, what is our weapon? We are living in a fallen world with opposition. Have we been left defenseless? No, the word of God is a sword. We have been given a weapon with this to fight. But it says not just 
the written word. It is the word of God that comes out of our mouth. Let me read to you Revelation 19.15. Revelation 19.15. And it's talking about Jesus. And it said, Out of his mouth goeth forth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he threaded the winepress of them. Okay, so in other words, out of his mouth came what? A sharp two-edged sword. What do you think comes out of, of, out of people's mouth? This is referring to the word. What is coming out of our mouths? Is it just a bunch of hot air and a bunch of nonsense? Or do we put this word into our mouth? And do we speak it forth? It is our weapon. That is how we are going to live, how we are going to win the battle. So we got to know it so we can use that thought, sword, right? And we need to sharpen it. We need to rightly apply the word of God. We need to know that we know that we know that we know. Amen? So, and in Revelation 12, 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, that is now God's heart, and by the word of their testimony, 12-11, Revelation 12-11. So how did they overcome? It was a teamwork. God didn't do it all. We didn't do it all. Jesus gave his blood. He shed his blood, right? And we, so by that, by him shedding his blood, and by the word of our testimony, we overcame we are going to overcome by the word of our testimony, right? So, our weapon is the word of God. But if we don't speak it forth, if we do not speak it forth, it's only thoughts. And it's not, it's not by the thoughts of their minds, it's by the word of their mouth. Amen? Amen. So if we want to be victorious and we want to see victory, we have to learn to fight. And it also says that in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you, see words can rise against you. Every tongue that shall rise against you, words are real things. Words are important. You shall, words that shall rise, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall condemn. How do you condemn it? You speak forth the word of God. You speak forth the truth. Amen? Truth is light. Lies are darkness. Light always supersedes the darkness. Amen? Amen. Light puts out the darkness. Now, point number Okay, are we on number five? Is that correct? I think we are number, on number three. That's what I thought. I think I'm on the wrong page here. All right, so be sure that you are not living in sin. Be sure that you are not living in sin. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And in Mark 11, 23 and 24, when Jesus talked about how to speak to the mountain and it shall be removed immediately. He was talking about prayer, faith and prayer, right? In that 
in the next verse, in verse 25, he said, And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. In other words, Jesus was telling them that unforgiveness can hinder your faith. And we know that if you read all the words that Jesus said, this is the only specific thing that he mentioned that can hinder your faith, unforgiveness. How can that be true? How can unforgiveness hinder our faith? Because unforgiveness is a lack of love. God is love. And when you want to have victory, when you want to succeed, you've got to align yourself with God. So if you stay out of love, I refuse to love in this, then you refuse to become one with God because God is, and then you're fighting your battles on your own. If you refuse to align yourself with the Lord, you're fighting on your own. So we see now that doubt, fear, unforgiveness, these things can hinder our faith. And if we live in sin, we know that if we live in sin, we have opened the door for the enemy. And when you open a door for the enemy, then he has certain legal rights. And so that will also hinder our faith. But now I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, we, most of us, we are good Christians. We love the Lord with all of our hearts, right? We desire to live lives that are pleasing unto the Lord. Is that correct? I mean, I think so. I think we are all sincere. We all want to do what's right and good, right? And so we, we try to have right conduct. We try to do good works, right? But this is all things that we do in the natural. But now, what God, what is it that really gives us the victory? It's our faith. It's faith. Okay, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, but, but the most important, more important than conducting ourselves right, uh, trying to do good works and all of that, is really that we are walking and living in faith, in unity with God, oneness with Him, according to His Word. So let's carry on and see. So now we are on number <coughs> four. And that is, be sure that no doubt or unbelief is permitted in your life concerning the promises of God. Be sure that no doubt or unbelief is permitted in your life concerning the promises of God. Now, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we just saw how the devil attacks, right? Through doubt, fear, unforgiveness. That we are to resist. So submit means to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. And that other person, in this case, we are to yield to God, to his word. Amen? Okay. Number five. Sincerely desire the benefit that you asked of God. Now, it says in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, you have to desire. You must sincerely desire 
When you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. You know, sadly, some people, they want to pray for things, they want you to pray, and somehow if they don't get it, they say, ah, it doesn't matter, I didn't really want it anyway. Don't ever go to God in prayer like that. Don't even bother. If your heart is not in it, then don't even bother. Amen? Then make sure that the things that you pray about, that you really do desire them, that you really want to see. Why do you make sure? Because you can expect opposition. You can expect there to be a battle. So don't bother. If you're half-hearted about it, then don't pray about it. Make sure that your heart is in your prayers. Amen? So we know that if we are double-minded, According to James 1, 6 and 7, we are not to think that that man shall receive anything from the Lord. So that's one thing. So now, another reason that our prayers may not be answered is found in Matthew 18:19. It says, Again I say to you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done. It doesn't say it might be or it could be or perhaps it will be. It says that if you agree, it shall be done for you of my Father which is in heaven. Now, it didn't say what you desire for somebody else, right? but what you, what you desire. Because everybody has their own personal will. We cannot override another person's will. Another person cannot override our will. Like, if we don't really, if we really don't want it, we're not going to have it. Amen? Amen. So, the, the other person, both of you, you have to be in agreement. So it says can, in Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? So like when somebody comes to you for prayer, First of all, somebody, somebody has come for prayer saying, oh, can you just please pray for me? And you say, what for? Say, oh, no, don't worry, God knows. But if you ask me to pray for you, for me to be in agreement, I must also know. It's not enough that God, you are coming to me for the prayer of agreement. I must know what we are praying for because I must know, can I agree to that? Do I have the faith for that? Is that something that's based in the Word? <coughs> I remember hearing a testimony of a pastor, a preacher, a lady came to him for prayer like that, and it turned out that she wanted to marry another woman's man. And she wanted the pastor to pray for that, yet just pray God knows. But he insisted, he said, no, I'm not gonna pray for that, right? You gotta know what you're praying for. Otherwise, how can you pray in faith? So one way to do that is that First of all, you can talk, you can agree, but then you can also say, you know, some people like to pray on top of what you're praying. But you know, if that happens, you might be going one way, and they might be going the other way. So if the person comes to you for prayer, you can ask them, you listen. I will pray, and you listen. And you agree with what I'm praying. So you know that you're walking together in the same direction. And then when you finish praying, ask, so is it done? Did God do it? Has God answered our prayer? 
You're a child of the high, almighty, right? It's a fire without the enemy. And we've got to learn to discern the enemy's attacks if we want to be victorious, triumphant, and overcoming. Amen? So, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. In other words, not carnal, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is not according to the word. Ah, you say nobody loves me? What a lie. John 3.16, for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. You are a liar. Get out in Jesus' name. Amen? Or whatever else it may be. But again, you see, you need to know the word. Amen? You will not be a strong, effective soldier in the Lord's army if you don't know the word, because you will not have a weapon. The word is your weapon. So that will, we just read about weapons, warfare, pulling down, casting down, captivity. I mean, all of that, warfare, that doesn't seem like it's easy going. That seems like we need to stir up. We need to fight. In fact, Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Don't expect it to be served on a silver platter. It won't. If you really want it, go for it. Go for it. But if you want it, God will see to it that you get it. He's promised to give it to you. Amen? Amen. At first, Peter 4.12 said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't think it's strange. You're living in a fallen world, and Satan is the god of this world. And the answer to your prayer has to come to you in this world. Amen? Amen. Now, number eight. Count the thing done that you have asked. Count it done. Romans 4.17. Romans 4.17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, before whom, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, and called those things which be not as though they were. Now, I want to talk about calling those things which be not, Romans 4.17, Romans 4.17. Calling those things that be not as though they were. You know that many Christians say, no, I'm not going to say I have something when I don't have it. That would be a lie. So they refuse to, to call things that be not as though they were. But we are to follow God's sample, right? Why did God call things that be not as though they were? Because you know he did that. He did that when he made, when he created all things. He called light, that was no light. And he said light. Oh, that's not true, there's no light. Was God a liar? No, he's a creator. God is a God of faith, he's a creator, and we are made in his image, right? So 
Abraham believed he was the father of many nations before he had any children. Why did he believe it? Because God told him so. Now that is what we need to also, as I said earlier, why do we believe what we believe? Did God say so? If God said so, take your stand. Stand strong. Amen? If God said so, it is so. He cannot lie, he will not change, and he cannot fail. Only we. We are the ones. So let's not be the ones. Let's get strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen? So it says in now so it says here in Galatians 3:29 and if you be Christ then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise now are we Christ are you born again yes. have you received Christ yes. it says for in the first Corinthians 6:20 it says for you are bought now can I ask that again I'm sorry I want I want to ask here, is there anyone here that have not yet received Christ? Are you all sure that you have received Christ? Because I would like, if there's somebody that is not sure, I would like us to stop and make sure. Because the most important thing you can take from here today it's not all of what I've been standing here saying if you do not take Christ. Christ is our life. He is our one and only hope. And now, if you don't want to, to pray now and publicly with everyone, make sure that if you're not sure, before you leave, see one of us, JP, Philip, me, Sumi, whoever, come to one of us and make sure that you do not leave here without the most important, the most, most, most important decision that you can ever make, and that is to receive Jesus, to be born again in His Spirit. Amen? Amen. He says, for you are bought with a price. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God. So, you're bought. If I buy something, it belongs to me. If Jesus bought something, it belongs to him. So we belong to him. He bought us with his very own blood. We were very expensive, but he bought, he bought us. We cost him his all. Amen? Now, Galatians 3, 7 says, No, therefore that David's our faith, the same are the children of Abraham. He says, no, no, therefore. You are a child of faith. Abraham is the father of faith. Know that you are expected to live by faith, right? You're a child of faith. You're expected to live by faith. Just looking for the, my page. I'm missing one page. After we go, there we go. All right. Now, so what are we? We are children of faith, right? We're born of faith. We were born through faith because we believed and received, right? Now Hebrews 11:6 says, "But without faith, it is impossible to please Him." 
For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith, faith requires us to believe before we see. What does faith require? That we believe before we see. That means that in our hearts, we are not wondering, wavering, staggering, am I going to get it? You know it. You have that deep persuasion, conviction in your heart. It is so. Once you pray. So we don't wait to see. We know. And we know eventually we're going to see. That's what faith is, right? So, and it says here, for what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? So like, okay, but this is, So like I said before, I said before, good works, right conduct is not going to inherit the promises of God. There are many people that consider themselves very good people because they have right conduct and good works. But that's not going to save us. It is faith that saves. Faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ that saves. All of our good works. We are met, I mean, the Bible does tell us to have the right conduct. It does tell us that we are uh, equipped for every good work. It's not that we are not supposed to have right conduct and good works. We are. But that in itself does not save us. Only faith in Jesus Christ can save. Amen? Amen. Now it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart. Believe where? With your mind? Where? In your heart. Believe where? In your heart. That deep gut feeling that you just can't see. You just know that you know that you know. That's faith. Amen? Amen. Sadly, some of us have a displaced faith where the wrong thing comes out of our mouth. And then we create a reality that we really don't want. But we're going to get that right. We're going to know the word and we're going to get it right. Amen? Amen. It says, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you know that everything you want from God is made with faith in the heart and mouth confession? In fact, Christianity is called the great confession. But if you don't let that come out of your mouth, you've got to uh, let the word come out of your mouth. That is like sowing the seed, like in the parable of the sower. You can't just not want to say it. Uh, I know it, I believe it, but I don't want to say it. Huh. <laughs> Who is intimidating you? Who do you think is intimidating you? God says, say it. Speak it, God possess it. I give it. And then comes, that's the enemy. Don't let it. Amen. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Oh. I'm out of time. Sorry, guys. Okay. All right. Okay. Number nine, give glory to God. Number nine. We'll skip down to number nine. It says, in Romans 4.20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Who are we talking about? Abraham. Abraham did not stagger. When God told him he was going to be the father of many nations and he was a hundred years old, he did not waver. Oh no, how can that be? 
I never saw anyone a hundred years old having a Are you sure, Lord, did he do that? No. no. He said, God said it, that's it. That is so, it's so. God said it, it's so. And we need to learn to have that, the attitude of Abraham. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You know that real believers get excited and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Real believers, when you really believe it, wow, you get excited. If you get an unexpected call, guess what? And there's an amazing, amazing something for you. You get excited and you tell everyone. Amen. You jump for joy. Let's believe. Let's get excited and jump for joy. Because all of God's promises are yes and amen. amen. Now number 10. This is the last point. Act as if you have received what you asked for. Act as if you have received what you asked If you believe in your heart, you thank the Lord immediately. You, Lord, I pray for that. Oh, Father, thank you. Amen. You act. Do you know we can all do something to act? Do you know that when Jesus healed people, he would often tell them to take some kind of action, go to the pool of Siloam and wash, rise and take up your bed, uh, go and show yourself to the priests. There was always some kind of thing, but he never asked them to take an action they couldn't take. Now when Abraham was told, he acted, he gave glory to God right away. So we can act on our faith. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. dead. And it says that in James 2.17. So now, let me close now. So what I would like to encourage us to do, take your 10 points, go home, examine yourself to see whether you really be in the faith. You know, don't just be in hope. A, a prayer of hope is not a prayer of faith. We are to ask in faith, being fully persuaded, being convinced of the thing. And then, if we do that, we shall have it. And our faith has to be based on the Word of God. Faith that is not based on the Word of God is not faith. That's just the presumption of folly. Because what are you basing it on? Some wishful thinking? Some kind of vague hope? That's not faith. It's got to be on, built on the word of God. So let's become people of the word. Be strong in the Lord. What, how, does, how can we be strong in the Lord? Be strong in the word. Know the word. Know what God has promised you. Amen? We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.